Today on Broadway for Wednesday, May 29th, 2019, I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And Diane Broadway stars James Marino. James, uh, uh, I got nothing today. How was your day? Good? Uh, it, it was, uh, it, it was very nice. You know, Tuesday after a long weekend is always my favorite. <laughs> it was nice too, because I, I didn't turn on my computer and have a, an onslaught of emails because everyone was not working. Uh, but I, I imagine that computer problems still ended up happening, uh, for you nonetheless that well, you had to deal with. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you know, how the women's national team doing? Uh, as of recording, they were up one, or when I turned it off, uh, they were up one nothing over Mexico in a uh, friendly getting ready to uh, head to France for the Women's World Cup uh, next month. Mexico did not qualify, so it wasn't exactly a game that was going to be too stringent on uh, the U.S. side, but a nice good warm-up with a, a natural rival like Mexico uh, to get you into the spirits for the World Cup. When they get back, you can say, hey, where you been, uh, France? <clears throat> All right. So first up in the news, it's official. And and you had to confirm this for me because I was confused. Barry Manilow is coming back to Broadway. Yeah. We talked about this on Friday, James, but it wasn't official then. That was just us saying that Michael Riedel had reported in his column on Thursday night uh, that uh, that Barry Manilow was coming back to Broadway. But following that Memorial Day Holloway, it was confirmed that the Lunt Fontaine will be the hottest spot north of Havana from July 26th through August 17th. That's actually one day shorter than what Riedel had. Riedel had him there through the 18th. Uh, but anyway, as the uh, the Manilow, the Mythalow, the Legend Low, Barry Manilow returns to Broadway for the first time since 2013. The uh, longest of the as of yet announced in residence run uh, residence runs the uh, it quote promises an evening of nonstop top 40 hits and surprises from Manilow's extensive catalog of music music ranging from pop to Broadway jazz and adult contemporary tickets go on sale for city credit card customers today at 10 a.m. New York time and to general public on sale stuff on uh, next Monday, June 3rd. Um, all right, James, I asked you this about Meatloaf last week. What is your favorite Barry Manilow song? Uh, it's cheesy. It's Weekend in New England. It, uh, it's very personal to me, that, that okay. song. I love it. But, you know, I'm glad to see Barry's coming back to Broadway. He's ready to take a chance again. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with, if I can't say Copacabana since I already referenced yeah. it, I'll, I'll go, I, I write the songs. I mean, that's, uh, how can you? I write the songs, Mandy, uh, I mean. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, in doing research, uh, Barry Mandel was not the first person to record either Mandy or I write the songs. Did you know that? I, I didn't did, know that. I didn't. Who who recorded them? Dolly Parton? No, um, very good. That's a, that's a good uh, Whitney Houston reference there. Um, I write the songs was actually originally recorded by Captain and Tennille. Um, Mandy, I do not remember who it was. It wasn't somebody that I remembered off uh, that I was familiar with, but I can look real quick. Mandy, it was originally recorded by some fella named Scott English. Oh, okay. It, and believe it or not, it was originally written as brandy but looking glass brandy you're a fine girl what a good wife you could be um forced necessitated the change to mandy but anyway, uh, i see I, i'm kind of annoyed at barry because um uh he had a uh final farewell tour type of thing 
that we went to to Brooklyn to uh, what's the 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 arena in Brooklyn? I, I, I told nah. the some center yeah. w- uh, where the Islanders used to play, and uh, the the New Jer- the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets would play. Yes, that's um, correct. Yeah, Barclays, Barclays, that's Barclays the word. Center, Barclays yeah. Center. So uh, and bought very very expensive, you know tickets to see Barry Manilow with my wife and children uh, because it was the final farewell tour and here he is back again and so uh, but love yeah. me some Barry yeah you know me Barry Manilow and Barry White should tour together um I think Barry White's, Barry White's dead. dead yeah yeah there's that Oops. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do we have in last week's Broadway grosses? All right, James. Things picked up a bit last week. The total grosses increased 2.32% or 813-ish thousand dollars. Uh, five shows saw six-figure weekly increases, all of which were primo tourist shows. Lion King, Phantom, Ain't Too Proud, Aladdin, King Kong. But thanks to an Edgeham week, Hamilton was the only show to decline by more than six figures last week. It was one lower level premium ticket short of uh, being a negative 300K over the previous week. But, of course, it still led the way with $2,924,092. The Lion King was at $2.3 million, followed by Wicked, To Kill a Mockingbird, Cursed Child, Ain't Too Proud, Aladdin, Dear Evan Hansen, Tootsie, The Phantom of the Opera, Town, Frozen, The Book of Mormon, and Network, and Seven Performances. Those were all uh, above seven figures. Down on the other end of the scale, Gary Cole in a sequel to Titus Andronicus, and Frankie and Johnny in the Florida League, they were both sub 300k so they made less money than hamilton lost last week think about that right that's really sad for shows with such incredible stars but moving up the grosses ladder was hillary and clinton king lear inc and then be more chill which saw its second straight black number which is good moving up to four hundred forty eight thousand one hundred eighty two dollars now james we don't talk much about this show's grosses but uh, because, you know, because of the theater it's in, because of the ticket prices, it has, it's not bringing in a ton of money. But what the Constitution means to me, what that show is doing at the box office is incredibly impressive to me. As just under $525,000 last week, they were at 88.5% of its gross potential and at 99.3% of its capacity. There was a real race to see what show was going to transfer from off-Broadway to Broadway, specifically at the Helen Hayes this spring, James. And I personally was very suspect when Second Stage gave Heidi Schreck's show the rental agreement. That was not the one that I thought would make the most financial sense. But I'm very, very happy to admit that I was very, very wrong. uh, As it's doing very well on its own terms, in its own way, on Broadway. So I'm very happy about that. Again, $525,000 for them this week. Not huge numbers, but pretty good percentages. Okay, now on to our weekly look at the shows that I think could be uh, posting closing notices over the next four to five months. Beautiful dipped down to 602000 The prom was up a bit to six hundred forty k. As I said before, King Kong picked over uh, picked up over 100 Gs to come in at 700000 and $4. Uh, Pretty Woman declined a bit to uh, just under 757000 And James, before we wrap up this section, I also need to mention that according to the Broadway League, the 2018-2019 Broadway season was not only the highest grossing, yawn, not a surprise, ticket prices go up, what, yada, 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 but it was also the best attended season 
in Broadway history. Now, yes, this was the first full season with the Helen Hayes Theater opening and operating as Broadway's 41st house. But remember, we also only got half a season of the palace being operational. So that probably more than levels out actually probably hurts in the exchange rate between the Hayes and the palace. Um, but last season, James Broadway grossed $1 billion, $1,829,312,140. And the total attendance was 14,768,254 people. According to NY, uh, according to New York one political director, Bob Hart, that's 5 million more people than went to Yankees, Mets, Knicks, Nets, Rangers, Islanders, Giants, and Jets games combined. Those are all sports teams, for those of you that aren't familiar. Um, And while that's a bit comparing apples to oranges, James, it is still pretty striking. Uh, In total, thanks to some good producing, Broadway shows ran a record total of 1,737 playing weeks in the 18-19 season. So, James, you know, we always, you know... As weird as some things are, we always champion theater owners figuring out creative ways to keep their houses occupied and producers figuring out ways to keep their shows open. And this is why it brings more people to Broadway, which is ultimately good for everybody in the community. All right. There's a little uh, two minute commercial for New York City, Travel and Tourism Bureau. (laughs) (laughs) So, You know, I always think when I see things like this that the folks over at Equity are like, okay, let's sit down and negotiate the the (laughs) contract now, you know. Uh, So we'll have to see, uh, you know, the – what was the last thing, the workshop contract that was the – Yeah, it's now called a a work session. Yeah, the the lab rat thing, yeah. The lab rat thing, yeah. Oh, terrible hashtag. Terrible. All right, so uh, good news for Broadway. Let's uh, move on to the recommendation section. Okay, I've got I've got two things, and then you, James, you have something. So I'm going to say mine real quick, and then okay. let you talk about your thing. My first one comes from uh, American Theater, and it's an article by uh, uh, by Allison Considine, who I'm assuming is not related to the original star of Hades town, Patty Considine, but this is actually going backstage at the ferryman, lots of goose talk. Uh, but it also has some really cool illustrations by cartoonist, Michael Arthur. So check that out. Great read. Um, and then over at Vox, uh, Constance Grady, uh, talks to the, um, the casting directors behind, uh, Hades town and talks about how they cast the, the incredible ensemble in that show, Duncan Stewart and Benton Whitley were the casting directors. Um, so a really cool look at that. And then the one you sent over to me, James, was you've mentioned this show before, Sandy Klein's Conversations with Creative Women. Speaking of casting directors, this new episode is uh, talking with casting agent and casting director Jamie Beth Margolis. So why was this something you wanted to bring to people's attention? Well, because we never talk about casting directors, and here you are with a Hadestown casting director recommendation, which is awesome. Casting directors are so, so important to Broadway. And uh, great conversation with Jamie Beth. I hadn't listened to the Vox uh, Hadestown one. Now I have to listen to that one next. That's an article. That's not a a podcast. It's an article. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, I don't read. Uh, he's got to be playing in my ears or else I don't, it just doesn't exist. So, um, yeah, this uh, podcast with Jamie Beth Margolis, uh, you know, Jamie Beth has been a casting director for about 20 years and she worked at Johnson Liff and she started there as an intern and worked her way up to be a full casting director, went out on her own, uh, worked for Cameron McIntosh. This is a great interview and a lot of people don't understand what casting directors do. Take a listen to this because not only does Jamie Beth explain it, but she's got such a great story and she's such a wonderful person. So uh, take a listen. And the, uh, the Sandy Klein conversations with creative women, I just, I, I love it. I love it. It's such a great podcast. All right. What do we have in other news? All right, James. On yesterday's show, we mentioned that Taylor Louderman would be leaving the cast of Mean Girls on Broadway this coming September. And I humbly suggested that those <laughs> aforementioned casting directors might want to cast the new lead of the show from the Andrew Barth Feldman extended universe. And as if I hadn't already figured it out by her social media, hence 2018 female Jimmy Award winner Renee Rapp was today announced to be taking over the role of Regina George on Broadway. James, obviously, Rap was the female winner last year, while Feldman was the male winner at the Jimmys. But what is interesting about this casting is that Rap will make her debut as Regina George from June 7th through June 26th, while Louderman is in her hometown of St. Louis, starring in the Muni's production of Kinky Boots. Then, once Louderman exits the role permanently in September, Rap will be back as of September 10th. Um, James, we always talk about how impressive the Jimmy Award winners are and how many of them end up being stars. But rap will not be the only Jimmy Award winner in the cast of Mean Girls. Do you know who also won the Jimmy Awards? Actually won the second year's no Googling. Uh, no, not without Google. <laughs> Her love interest in the show, Kyle Selig, or Selig oh. was the 2010 Jimmy Award winner, the second annual. So uh, that, that's there. And then you've also got Stephanie Styles, who was a runner up in 2010. She's on Broadway now. Ryan McCartan just finished his run in Wicked. Um, then you've got, um, let me scrolling through some other folks that are in Broadway now. Eva Noblezada, obviously in Hadestown. Uh, she was a, a runner up in 2013. Uh, Jalen Kristen Lee Josie, uh, she is currently, she was a standout in SpongeBob SquarePants, but she's currently off Broadway in. Um, the Secret Life of Bees. Um, then there's uh, many more that I'm probably not uh, picking up on as I scroll, scroll through through things. But then you've got Andrew Barr Feldman and Renee Rapp. So a ton of these folks just in the 10 years of the Jimmy Awards have already made their way to Broadway in principal roles. So uh, that's why we always champion that show and talk about it when it comes around uh, in June, which we probably will be talking about more here soon. But anyway, moving on to the other stories, James, yesterday, the York Theater Company announced that they had extended their new show, Enter Laughing, colon, the musical for an extra week. It will now play through June 16th. Now, this one, I have to give a content warning about this last story here, James, because I feel like a lot of people will get angry about it. Some might even get sick to their stomach. Some people might run out into oncoming traffic uh, because of it. But I do have to give credit on this one to the Broadway message, Broadway World Message Board folks. As back in November, EverythingSondheim.org posted an article entitled Everything We Know and Don't Know about Sondheim's surrealist collaboration with David Ives. Now, we've talked about this show quite a bit over the years, James. Well, those message board denizens noticed that at some point on that very same article was placed an editor's note that simply read, quote, 
Since the printing of this article, Sondheim is no longer collaborating with David Ives on this project. Wait, what? What now? Uh, okay. Then on Twitter, someone asked Sondheim's official biographer, David Benedict, about it, and he simply said, quote, I'm sorry, but I cannot comment. Now, James, I had been hearing that this show was going to be one of the cornerstones of the public theater's 2019-2020 season, and that plans were actually already in the works to move it to Broadway. So this is surprising, to say the least. I mean, if we parse the language of the editor's note, it says that Sondheim is no longer working with Ives on the project. Does that mean that he is no longer working on the project at all or that he is just working with a different book writer? It would seem odd because even back in November and December, Sondheim was talking about the fact that David Ives had finished the first draft of the script and he was about halfway done writing the score. So did he just give up or did he say Ives's book wasn't good enough and he wanted to work with somebody else? I, I don't know, James. Inquiring minds want to know. And by inquiring minds, I mainly I'm just talking about me. I, I want to know, James. I want and need answers. So if anybody out there has answers, please hit me up on the Twitter machine because uh, not not doing well, not doing well with this news, James. Wow, that is huge. That yeah. is just, just huge. Like, uh, we may never be another Sondheim musical then if this doesn't end up getting worked out and coming to the stage. Wow. All right. We're counting on our listeners. We need to know. Let us know. We need to know. I don't know what that is. Is that Jekyll and Hyde? That's Jekyll and Hyde. Ah, <laughs> oh, you just it is. Sondheim and Wildhorn? Sorry. That's like pineapple Um, and pizza. Yeah, I don't like that. That's not good. All right. Oh, man, I need some Schmackery's cookies. (laughs) Broadway Bakes all week. Broadwaybakes.com. Broadway Bakes. Broadwaybakes.com. Go check it out. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Ah, we almost hit 20 minutes. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday with us. And, uh, you know, considering that Monday was a day off for a lot of people, you know, Wednesday is almost like Thursday. So you're almost into the weekend. And Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow. I think you did that backwards. I think Wednesday is almost Tuesday is what you meant to say. No, Wednesday is Sunday at Carvel. I don't know what that means.